Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Transplant's Take on Sport. My name is Lewis Daniels and my guest today is the person who I first spoke to about transplant sport following my kidney transplant. It's kidney and pancreas transplant recipient, John Spencer. We spoke about John's transplant journey, the sports he now competes in at the British Transplant Games for the Liverpool Royal Transplant Sports team that he manages and not letting other people get you down. John has some interesting stories about his two kidney transplants, so please stick around for the whole episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, then please subscribe or follow wherever you'd normally get your podcasts. And why not follow the podcast on social media too? All the information is in the show notes. John Spencer, welcome to Transplant's Take on Sport. How are you doing? Thank you, Lewis. I'm doing very well, thank you. This year, we've both been part of the Clinically Vulnerable group. I've talked about this with everyone else who's been on. So it's really been a sort of on and off lockdown year with restrictions changing, coming and going. How have you found this year? How have you coped? Uh, To be fair, the first lockdown was a bit, I'd say the first month was a bit up in the air. I, I was literally not leaving the house. At all. And I was the same. It was getting to the point where, I mean, it's where we live, you've only got to go out the back door and it's like fields. And so there's plenty of places where you can go without seeing anyone. Sounds similar to what I've got. We're in a, a very rural area. So I suppose in that respect, it's probably got more useful living there the more confident you got. Yeah. I mean, there were, there was places to go. Um, I mean, I've still not been in like supermarkets and stuff like that. And then Same. luckily, because it was summer, there was uh, you know, a list of jobs to do. I'm about, <laughs> I'm about 18 months in front now with all my DIY stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't as bad as, as what I thought it was going to be, to be honest. So the reason we've been inside a lot this year is because, as people will know, I've had a kidney transplant. You're also a transplant recipient. And you've had a... Yeah. A couple more than me. So we'll go back to the start. When did you f- first find out you had kidney problems? In 2006. Uh, I was getting headaches. 
went to the doctors. Funnily enough, he sent me for my eyes tested first. And then I went back for the results to the doctors and he told me I was in end stage renal failure. Now, to be honest, that, that meant nothing to me, literally, because it was not expected. Uh, my wife works at the hospital. I come home, told her, and she just burst into tears. So then it starts getting a bit a bit real. And, uh, and then they put me on to peritoneal dialysis till 2009. And that's when I got my first transplant off my sister. I was going to say, I was going to ask, you sent me some information this week about your, some brief stuff about your transplants yeah. and the sports you play, which we'll come on to later again. So it came from your sister. Yeah. What was the conversation like when you were sort of talking about needing a donor? Did she come forward straight away? Uh, it must have been, I'd say, around the June, July uh, 2008 that I mentioned it to her. Uh, and it, it basically, she just, she didn't say yes, she didn't say no. She just said, let me think about it. So I just left her with it. Right. Um, and she come back and she said, you know, yeah, by all, because I mean, she's got two girls and she's married as well. So it was, it was a big thing for, for her to say, you know, because if one of her kids would have needed something, you know, that's how I was trying to look at it. Yeah, I think it's a way that a lot of people will look at it. So, um, you do, I know, like my mum donated to me, and I know I would have done the same in reverse. Yeah. But it's, it's the mentality of you do anything for your kids. So do you think it's somewhere in the back of her mind, she was thinking, what if I need to do this for my own kids? Yeah, I think I think she was. Or I was thinking that's what she was thinking, but she, she turned around and she said, yeah, by all means. And I left her with it then for a, about a month just to make sure. And we got a phone call that she'd been in touch with Jean Shalcross at the Royal. And she'd started the tests. And then she said, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do the tests, see what happens. Because, I mean, it still could have come back as uh, not a match. Of course, yeah. So she was having her test done in Plymouth because she lives in Newquay in Cornwall. It's a long and, way. Yeah. And then we got together, I think it was the end of September, in at the Royal. And we had all the tests that we needed to do together. And that was it. That was the last we heard of it till, I'd say, the middle of December. And I was just about to go to a Christmas carol concert for my daughter. And she phoned me up and she said, what are you doing on the 21st of January? So she'd had the date and she, you know, she wanted to tell me. She didn't want the, the royal to phone me and tell me. She wanted to do it. What was that like when she phoned up? <sighs> very emotional. Um, I can imagine. Very emotional. So it was like, I'd say 10 minutes of quiet on the phone. She was crying, I was crying. It's an emotional time, drawing back to myself again when I was going through it. My mum phoned me. I was in Liverpool uni and she phoned me and said uh guess what you're having my kidney so oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going forward yeah there's a future it is it's yeah it's very emotional absolutely so then 
that all went smoothly, did it, with the, the surgery and going forward for a few years after that? Yeah, everything everything went fine with the surgery. Um, she was in for, I think it was five, six days. I was in for about ten, and then like she was off back to Cornwall, and everything was fine. It lasted, got five years out of it. And then was that when you had another one, didn't you? No, I had, um, I had a pancreas transplant because I was diabetic. And the, they found out that my diabetes had caused my kidney failure. So right. when I had my first transplant, they put me on the pancreas list at Manchester. Oh, so you knew straight from the first transplant? Yeah, straight after the first transplant, they put me on the, the kidney list, the, the pancreas list at Manchester. Was that, um, uh, what's the right word? Is that transplant? Related dialysis. I can't remember what the, the term is, but I've, I can remember talking about it with a consultant. Uh, not dialysis, diabetes, sorry. Well, the, the diabetes I had since I was 18. Right, okay. And they reckon because of my diabetes, that's what caused my kidney failure. So they worked out, because it was a living transplant, so everything was fine with the transplant. We'll put you onto the transplant list for a pancreas which will cure your diabetes which obviously they both work works fine then so the pancreas that's still going now isn't it no that only lasted two years oh right um i had that done in 2010 believe it or not i was on crutches when i got the phone call for the pancreas because i'd started playing squash after i had my first transplant and I broke my foot playing squash. How did that happen? Just playing squash. It literally went over on my foot. It was, you know, where your, your foot finishes and your toes start. It was a break across there on my right foot. Just an impact. Yeah. Putting your foot down, landing on it. So I had my foot in a boot and then into plaster. And they, they phoned me up. I was on crutches. I was at the shop. They phoned me up. And they said, we've got a pancreas for you. Um, are you fit and well? So I said, well, my foot's in plaster. I said, but apart from that. And they turned around and they said, well, we'll have to speak to the consultant and see if, you know, we can still go ahead with you being in plaster. And then by the time I got home, they said, you know, phone me back. Just get in as soon as you can. So it's a fairly quick turnaround there. How long were you on the waiting list for your pancreas? Uh, I'd say from, from the January, January, February of 2009 and they had it done April 2010 so about just over 12 months I'm not too clued up on pancreases but is that quicker than normal or about standard time to be honest I'm not too sure um, because I, I know some people that I know off the, the transplant games have had kidney and pancreas transplants but I just needed the pancreas now I don't know if it's easier to get hold of one of them or harder uh, I never asked the question, but that all that all went straight forward. Um, it's a similar story with um, your second kidney. That was also a cadaveric donor, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So my my first kidney lasted till two thousand fourteen, um, and I had an infection, and it rejected straight away. Well, they tried the plasma exchange steroids. I was in the royal for about four or five weeks, um, they tried all sorts and they ended up taking the kidney out using the same scar that they put it in with, which I found a bit bizarre. 
and st- started dialysis again. And then how long were you on dialysis for after that? Uh, that was 14, 52, about two and a half years. I was on hemodialysis this time. So that's quite a while, isn't it? Yeah. And to, to be honest, and this will probably sound a bit weird, I didn't mind the dialysis compared with the first the first type that I had. Because the have you been on dialysis? No, I managed to avoid it. Right. So the the peritoneal dialysis that I had first is a tube inserted just in the lining of your stomach, and the fluid it's like two and a half liters of fluid. It stays in your stomach all day doing all the cleaning stuff, and then you take it out of the night time on a machine. So it was just carrying that round all day, every day, which I couldn't get my head around. It's a bit of a hassle, really, isn't it, compared to the yeah. hemo? But the hemo, everyone was saying, oh, yeah, it's big needles, you've got, you know, blow your veins and this, that, and the other. Um, but I, I don't know, I seem to find it, I'm still working, um, doing it three times a week. I was working in the morning, going there at one o'clock, doing me five hours on the machine. And then back in work the next day. So, at least it gave you some sort of normality back compared to the peritoneal. Yeah, it does. Because you can you can still get on with doing everything. I was still doing a bit of sport, not a great amount, but I was still doing some of it. So when that second kidney came, how was it, how did it feel going through it for the second time? Were you more prepared? Yeah, a lot more prepared. It was a lot easier as well. Um, whether it's because you know what's going to happen or whether things was actually different. But I was only in, I was in hospital, I think it was five, six days. So it was a shorter time and everything's been spot on up to now. Good to hear. So with that, that kidney and the pancreas, I know a lot of people do this, some people don't. Have you managed to be in contact with your donor family? I wrote a letter. I mean, I know um, where they was from. Right. Um, like their ages, where roughly whereabouts they was from. I wrote a letter to my donor for my kidney and my pancreas. Did it through the transplant coordinator, but never got, never got any reply. But I was thinking of doing another letter it was just something something i read on facebook the other day um about people getting in touch like leaving it a length of time and then getting back in touch so i'm a bit of a reminder yeah just to i, I mean i'm presuming they got the they got the letters and they, they you know they might not it might have been too raw at the time but i think i'll I think i'll do another one and do it through the coordinator because I'd love to, I'd love to meet the family. For the other people I've spoken to on this, who've had uh, cadaveric donors, they've all been very grateful for the donor family, as I'm sure you are, and they've all yeah. liked the idea of. Um, I spoke to Steve in the first episode, and he he hadn't met his. But I spoke to Simon Elmore in the last one, and he it was a great story. At the time of recording, it's not released yet, so. You'll find more about that when it is released. A great story, and he he found it quite motivating meeting his donor. Do you think it'd have a, an impact on you? Yeah, it would definitely. Um, I think it. 
don't know if there'd be like a, I suppose there'd be like an awkward silence, but you know that's just something you'd work around. But I would love to, love to meet them, love to meet the family. So as you get to say uh, say thank you face to face, that must be yeah. a special feeling. I mean, I suppose you say you thank yous by, you know, looking after yourself and taking care of what you've been given. Absolutely. But I mean, to meet them face to face, just so they can see. Um, it's, it's, it's all right saying that yeah, you, your daughter or your husband or whatever have donated one of their organs, but that's pretty much all you'll see of it then, unless you meet someone that's received it. Yeah, maybe nice to if you get on with them well, sort of keeping regular contact, and they they've got you as as proof of the the amazing thing that their family member did. Yeah, by um, signing up to the organ donation register. I mean, I've I've, I've been to the, the games, and you like you talk to someone, especially like the gala dinner, and they say, "Oh, this is this is my donors." Um, Mother and dad, mother and father, and they've liked they've been invited to the games by the the person that's received the organ, which I, I know it's, it's unbelievable when you can do something like that. It must be surreal the first few times when you're thinking that this is the family of somebody who's kept you alive, saved your life. Yeah. So how how has life compared before and after transplant? Have you noticed? A, diff- a big difference in your quality of life, how you see the world even. Yeah, I, I don't take as much for granted. Um, a lot of things, I, I try not to keep away from negative people. It's a good way to and look I, at it. I found, I found that with when I was on dialysis, my slot was one o'clock. So I'd get there for about half past 12, quarter to one. And you sat in the waiting room waiting to go into your rooms and some of the people that was there, just listening to them say, oh, you know, I don't know why you're on the list. You're never going to get a transplant. You you know, it's, it's negative, doom and gloom. And I was on the, the, I was on dialysis when Steve Deakin was on. He was the transplant manager at that point for the Liverpool team. And many a time we used to like get talking and he'd say, like, can you believe what they're saying? It's you just can't take it on board. You have to sort of switch off and hope there's something at the end of the tunnel, which there was. Was that difficult to block out? Um, I wouldn't say difficult, but I mean they they seem to go on and on about it. I mean, where the chairs was where you had the dialysis, every room, every chair had a TV. And you always had your headphones in, so you basically just switch off from them. But they, they moan to the nur- the nurses, they moan to each other. Oh, what am I going to do? I'm sat here for for four hours fastening this machine. And you think, well, it's it's keeping you alive. That's why you're there. It's better than the other alternative. Yeah. So it's. I'm set, like nowadays, I try and keep away from. I mean, you get them. You you hear them at work. Oh, I've got this wrong with me. I've got that wrong with me. Especially with all the COVID stuff that's been going on, and you think, you know, if you knew what people have to go through, you know, you wouldn't be 
stood there whinging about it. Yeah, maybe this this period of time, this year, might have put things into perspective for some people, and they might have thought, "Oh, my life's my life's actually all right. I'm healthy." Yeah, well, then you got to think um, what you've got to lose. I mean, you you see all the the younger, I mean, not especially the younger ones that are out and about, maybe not social distancing like they're supposed to do, and then I'm like stuck in the house for six months without going anywhere. It's frustrating. And you think, well, yeah, and I've, I'd say I've got more to lose than than they have. Absolutely. So I think things like that, you you take on board. Oh yeah. So thanks to the the time you spent on dialysis and the transplants that you've received in your life, you've now managed to get back into sport post-transplant. Do you want to tell the listeners what your sports are? Well, I played badminton when I was at school. So when I had my first transplant, I got back into playing squash. That was with Steve Deakin. He got me into playing squash again. So with the games, I play squash, badminton, I've done volleyball. And three years ago, started with archery. We'll come on to archery first then. I've been at a few of the Liverpool uh, transplant sports team meetings and I'm in, we're in a group together. Archery seems like a very popular sport amongst the team. What do you think makes it so popular? To be honest, it's something you... I mean, I know you need space to practice, but you don't need a great amount of space. Um, I joined a club in Warrington, but I was also at a target down the bottom of the garden, and it was 18 metres, which is what you shoot at the games. So it was ideal. I had all my own stuff. So, especially like lockdown, you're there for a couple of hours shooting away. So, I mean, there's I think there's three on the team Four, four on the team that do it. And I think everyone's, you know, it is really good. You start talking to people when you're at the game. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. about, you know, that do the archery. And they all seem very, there's not like no clickiness or anything like that. They all, everyone gets on together. One big family. Yeah, it's, it is really good. I quite enjoy it. How did you first get into that? You said it was three years ago. I got into it. We was looking for something because I, I always do squash on the Thursdays. <laughs> and this one year I decided not to do squash. So I was looking for something else to do on the Thursday. And archery was one of the things on the Thursday. So I just put my name down for that one instead. But I did it as a beginner. So you get to use all the stuff while you're there. And won a bronze medal on my first go at doing it. Not a bad start. But I had been going to the club at Warrington for a couple of weeks. So I had a, a bit of a favour. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was really good. Well, go... Let's go back to the start then with badminton. Is that the first sport you got into? With the games? Yeah. Uh, badminton and squash, yeah. So badminton, are you singles, doubles, mixed doubles? It's doubles, what they do. I've only ever done doubles. They don't do singles that often at the games. All oh, right. It's usually doubles. So there's, um, it was me and Glenn, Glenn Taylor. He's from the Adam Brooks team. And I met Glenn at my first games when I was in Bath in 2010. And we did doubles and we won a silver in 2013 when I was in Sheffield. It's a good achievement. So done, done pretty well with that. And was that the one you were playing before your transplant as well? I used to play when I was at school. Um, so I, I sort of knew, it's the same with squash, if you can, I think if you can swing a racket... If you can hit something, you know, you can learn the rest. Yeah, and so you can play other, maybe play other racket sports then. The squash come yeah. from badminton. Yeah, that's when I started. So I played squash every year at the games. Uh, won a few medals at that. Never won a gold yet, though. I've come close. Never won one. Is that the aim? Yeah. I'd like I'd like to. Maybe ne- maybe the next one in Leeds. See if you can catch people out with your archery target in the garden. <laughs> Try something. <laughs> you hear a lot about, from, from what I've heard anyway, I haven't actually been to the Transmac Games yet, but everyone said how much of a, a big celebration of it is. It's like a family coming together and to celebrate the the wonderful work of organ donation, celebrate the donors and the, yeah. what they've given up. How competitive does it get, though? Well, um, you, you get some people that, uh, you wouldn't think they was at the transplant games. You'd think they was at like the nationals or the Olympics or something like that. <laughs> but I must—I mean, most people they know why they're there and they know who to be thankful for. You know, stuff like that. And every, I think everyone's competitive. Yeah, naturally. You've got, to, you've got to know where to draw the line. You know, without being ultimately, you are. Competing against other people who've been through the same thing as you. Yeah. 
And some people, as again, something else I've been told, some people just try new sports. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've done that. Um, I've tried high jump, discus, shot put. Um, and to be honest, not done that well at any of them. But there is also, there's also people there at the same time. So, like, you have a go. You're not the bad over doing the high jump. They have a go, do the same. And then they're coming over to talk to you. Oh, is this your first time? Yeah, yeah. And then the next year when you're there, you're meeting like all different people that you just get chatting to about, you know, daft things. It must be a great atmosphere. Yeah, it's, it's a brilliant event, for want of a better word. Um, I think the highlight is the, when they have the opening ceremony is the donor families, uh, the donor family network when they come walking through. They're always the last to come walking through. And it does get quite emotional. Like everyone stood up clapping, cheering for them. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really good. There must be that extra meaning as well for those who've had cadaveric donors as opposed to live ones. Yeah, um, you can you can see like I mean, it was when was in Sheffield. I think it was two thousand and twelve or thirteen. My sister come to the games, um, so I said to her, I said because she wanted to walk with the Liverpool team. So I took her over to the the donor family network. And we just got talking to um, a couple of women that was on the, their team. And they explained like who she was and what she'd done, this, that and the other. And they like took her off. Oh, come, you come and walk with us. <laughs> and my sister was like, it's the, the most emotional thing I've ever done. You know, when she walked into, it was at the stadium in Sheffield when I walked in. She said it was absolutely unbelievable. I'll never forget, you know, how it was, how it sounded, how it felt. Maybe a bit of, it a bit of recognition as well? A feel-good yeah, moment I think, for her. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, because all the t- all the people that she was walking with was either people that give live, live donors or families that have, have dealt with. I mean, I don't, I'm not to know that the families of the people that donated my kidney are not walking around that pitch. Yeah, they might be in there. When we're at the games. I often I often wonder about stuff like that. Do you think when you if you do write another letter and hear back from them, do you think or do you hope that you can sort of build a strong bond with them and then see them at the games most years and sort of get to know yeah. them quite well? Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like them to I'd like them to be able to walk around that stadium knowing how much, how everybody is appreciative yeah. of them. I'd like them to feel that as well. Because when we walk around as a team, that's what we're walking around for because of what we've been through and why we're there. So I'd like them to feel the same, if you get me drift. Absolutely, yeah. Do you say that sort of the proudest you feel at the games when you're walking round yeah. the team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, especially when you're walking like through the streets and things like that, you get people lining the streets, clapping and cheering. It's, yeah, it's really good. It must be a, almost a, a strange feeling, but quite warming at the same time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the, the first games, you, you're there thinking, well, 
know why they why they clapping us and then you, you get to the the end of the the walk where they have the speeches and it's you get people from like the town the city or wherever you are say like thanks for being here thanks for celebrating your donors and and then you realize then that you know you have you are you are someone special for going through what you've gone through and coming out the other side yeah it is a lot to go through yeah and i think with us people like us living it maybe sometimes don't realize what an achievement it is and how how proud we maybe should be of ourselves yeah but i think i think you you realize it more when you're with people that have done the same or going through the same as what you've gone through i found that when i came to the the first uh team meeting with the liverpool team yeah everyone was so everyone's so supportive of each other to be honest they had a bunch of nutcases the lot of them <laughs> <laughs> they really are they're a, a crazy lot but i wouldn't swap any of them for the world it's a good atmosphere yeah it's a great team to be involved in and speaking of the team you are you're the team leader team manager yeah how did how did you come into that role well Steve Steve Deakin that used to be the the team manager I've known Steve for donkeys he used to be a DJ at the the pub near where we live so I've known him for ages and I was coming out of the doctors just after having my first transplant and he was coming out the chemist so we bumped into each other there and we got talking and he said oh yeah like join the team so we joined the team did the games Steve passed away in 2017 but about six months before he passed away there was a guy called Sean that's on the team I don't know if you've ever met him he's, he's not been to any of the meetings I don't think I have I've only been to a, a couple with being quite far away so Steve was looking for someone to take over um, as manager because his daughter was getting married in the May of 2017. Mm-hmm. So he was like putting all his time into that. So Sean took over and 2017 was at Birmingham. So Steve passed away just before his daughter was due to get married. Um, it's unfortunate, it's sad. Yeah, we was at, we was, I was at his house on the Thursday night because I used to phone him up and say, are you in? Yeah, I'm in. Do you want to come round for a brew? Yeah, I went round for a brew. And we'd be like chatting away about different stuff. And I went round on the Thursday and had a brew with him. And then we had a backpack at Marks and Spencer's on the Saturday. Right. And Steve, he never turned up. It was Roy that was running the backpacks. And he said, oh, Steve's rang up. He's not feeling too good. He's not coming. And then it was about four o'clock. Just so I'd got home from the backpack and Roy phoned me. I was in the car and he phoned me and he said, have you heard anything? So I said, what about? He said, Steve passed away. And, uh, quick. Yeah. But I don't know if it was quick because I don't know the full details about it. Right. Steve was very, very private. Um, he kept a lot of things to himself. So it was when we was at the funeral like as a team, we was all like sat together, and a few people asked, um, because Sean's one of these. He never used, he don't keep in touch with anyone. He just like does what he needs to do. 
So Sean had been to the manager's meeting in the February and not passed any information on. So we'd all sent medical forms in, done the registration, but it seems he hadn't sent it to Transplant Sports. Right. So I said, when we was at the funeral, I said, well, I'll have a word with Sean and see, get the games over with and see if he wants me to take over as manager. So I had a word with Sean and he hadn't sent, he said, oh, but yeah, by all means, you take over as manager. From like, when I speak to him and he hadn't sent any of the registration forms in or anything for us all to compete in Birmingham. So it was literally two days before the deadline. I'm sat on the laptop going through all the stuff and managed to get us to the games. So that's when it started. That was my first one. You, you do a great job at it as well. What sort of tasks does it involve? Basically, I mean, we, we do it different, to be honest, than what Steve used to do. It He used to do everything himself. So I got Leanne. You, you know Leanne, don't have you met Leanne? I think I have, yeah. So Leanne was doing the kit, getting the because she lives in Wales and it's the place in Landudno that we deal with. And then we had Pam. I don't know if you've met Pam. She was doing the accommodation. So I was basically like doing the emails to Transplant Sports, making sure everyone's registrations was in and everyone had ticked everything what they need to be ticked. Same with the medical forms. And then you've got to be like, when you go to the games, if anyone needs anything, you've got to be there for that. And just basically sorting stuff out. So a bit, a bit of the sort of the, uh, you're the man anyone goes to if there are any problems or if anyone needs yeah, any help. Yeah, pretty much. The head figure. Yeah, if someone, if there's a problem at the games, someone coming third and they've been told they're coming fourth, you know, you say to him like, don't go hitting someone because you've not got a medal and you think you should have had one. Come and, come and get at me and I'll go and see if I need to see and sort it out that way. The calm head in it all. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing you want is someone wading in saying, well, I come third and they're saying you come fourth. Absolutely. Um, I've, I have to thank you. you brought me into the world of transport sport. I think you might have been the first person I spoke to with regards to transport sport in general and you brought me in. I've I've although I've not competed, I've I've loved being involved with transport sport, learning more about it and being motivated. This is part of the reason I'm doing this podcast. Motivated yeah. by the sporting opportunities. And it's just been some it's always something to aim for. Yeah, it is. Um we always say to people when you when you do your registration form People look at it and look at the sports that you can do. And for instance, say, say you played squash, you just put squash down for one day. And we always say to people, just pick something for each day. You know, I mean, on a, on a Friday, they have the swimming. I don't swim, can't swim. I can swim, but don't like to. So I always do the temping bowling. That sounds fun. There's, there's quite a few on the team that do it. And I think it was two years ago, three years ago, won a silver at Temping Bowling. And because I don't understand the scoring, we was literally just stood round to see who won. <laughs> and they, you know, they call my name out, so I was dead chuffed with it. 
I was talking to Steve about the 10-pin bowling and the, the first episode we did of this, and it seems like a, a big social event. He yeah. said, what what goes on at Transplant Bowling? Stays at Transplant Bowling. <laughs> <laughs> what goes on at Transplant Bowling? You, you, because you're in like groups of, I think it's groups of five or maybe six, you, you don't try, you're not putting people off, but there is some like shouting as people are bowling. and <laughs> bit of sledging. Like putting putting your your glass down really really loudly <laughs> as people are doing it. There's there's all sorts goes on, <laughs> but yeah, it is it is more of a like a social thing because obviously there's a bar there, there's food. You know, everyone seems to get down there. So yeah, it's, it is really good. It does sound fun. It's one of the ones I'd signed up for if yeah. the games are going ahead this year, along with a few others, and one that I'll sign up for next year if that's going ahead. Yeah, so John, it's been. It's been great to catch up with you. I've not spoken to you for a while and hear more about your journey, the sports you've played. I'm sure people will be able to learn from what you've said today. And if anyone wasn't aware of any transport sport opportunities, they might now be aware and they might go and contact their team manager. Do you know where people might be able to find the details for their nearest team? Probably if you go on to Transport Sports on the face on Facebook. Um, and just type it in as a general question, and it's usually the Lynn Lynn Holt will answer, saying get in touch with. So if it was someone from around here, and someone put a thing on saying who would get in contact with them under Liverpool Royal, she'd answer. You know, get in touch with John Spencer. There we go. And that's how that's how people joined. We've had a few people join like that. So if anyone wants to join, go to the Transplant Foot Sport Facebook page. Ask who your nearest team is and you should be put in touch with your manager. John, one one last question before we round this off. I've been asking this to everyone who's been on so far. What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone facing a transplant? Don't try and run before you can walk. I like that. And let let the doctors do what the what they're trained to do. Don't like don't wake up and think you're in a scary moment because you can't sit out of bed straight away. Let it let it do what it needs to do. I couldn't That's agree all you more. can do really. Yeah, it's, listen to the doctors, they're they're the experts. Yeah. They'll give you the, they're giving you the information to help ultimately. And keep off Google. That is a very good point. <laughs> I didn't I yeah. didn't That's keep a definite. Off Google when I was first diagnosed and it was a big mistake. Yeah, Doctor Google that's, is not. That's the first one. Yeah, good friend. <laughs> so, thank you, John, for for coming on today. I've I've enjoyed talking to you, and I think I've learned something. People who are listening will learn something. So, my guest today, thank you, John Spencer. I've been Lewis Daniels, and you've been listening to Transplants Take on Sport. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 